This is the best of daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Go to jfbelievers.com for more information. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. The Gospel of John tells us a little more concerning this event. As for the group of the men who came to get Jesus, John tells us that it was a contingent of approximately 600 men. Can you imagine that? 600 men to arrest this one meek and mild, self-proclaimed, quote-unquote, Messiah. Men will claim that Jesus is nothing. And yet they too will be quick to exhibit fear when having to confront him directly. The text tells us that Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. At this moment, Judas was only a mere step from Jesus, yet he was in truth a million miles away. He had actually spent years with Jesus, up close and personal, close enough to see the miraculous, close enough to know Jesus intimately. Now here he was, so very close, and yet so very far away. It seems that we too can be in the proximity of Jesus and still actually be a long way from him. Where are you standing today? Judas, he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. That's pretty ironic, isn't it? Like so many of us, there is loyalty on our lips and our love espoused verbally. But our actions, well, our actions too are often nothing short of betrayal. No doubt the thieving of Judas from the ministry account began with just a little and snowballed from there. Because you see, that's the way of sin. One day we can believe we are a loyal disciple and the next day we're selling out the one we love for 30 pieces of silver. Later in this account, we're told of Judas's remorse. The word kiss here is the Greek word katafileo, which means to kiss repeatedly. Perhaps even at this point, Judas was feeling regret. Maybe he felt he was caught up in a situation that he could not control. Betrayal is a strange thing, isn't it? It's like a wave which we feel we cannot get off, and instead we ride it to its climax. It's always something we swore we would never do, yet we can so easily find ourselves in that very place. And it usually does not come suddenly, but generally, usually, rather a slow and steady slide over time. While we can eventually feel we have passed a perceived point of no return, we must note that during the miles we travel getting there, we are still in control and we can still turn back. It's during that travel period, if you will, that we can still change the outcome. However, please note that Judas did not. The act of kissing Jesus in betrayal would be an act that would be remembered throughout time. It would be a sign of friendship, loyalty, and trust that would now be coldly turned into a calculated, hollow, and hypocritical act of betrayal. Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and deserted, all within just a few short minutes.
Imagine facing all three of those events in such a short time. One, being betrayed by one of his own disciples. Two, being falsely arrested by a mob determined to kill him. And three, being deserted by all his closest friends, the apostles themselves. Jesus stood alone. It would be an easy thing to stand slack-jawed at this string of apostolic failures and denials, as well as the cold and blatant betrayal of Judas. But to be surprised by such would only express our lack of understanding of the heart of mankind. For Scripture tells us clearly that, quote, they have all turned aside, they have together become corrupt, there is none who does good, no, not one. Psalms 14.3 Today there are still many who will quickly and easily deny Jesus, despite having walked with him, despite having tasted of the heavenly gift, shared in his miraculous and having known the power of the resurrected life. Judas that day made sure the mob was armed. Apparently he clearly feared Jesus. He says in Matthew 26.48, seize him. No doubt because he had witnessed the power of Jesus as well as, well, watched him escape the crowds previously. Judas was the official representative of the religious powers that be for that day. Those that should have been his greatest allies turned out to be not only his greatest persecutors, but ultimately his executioners. And the irony of it all is that there is no reason to believe it would be any different if the whole scene played out today instead of 2,000 years ago. Generally, Jesus was not and is not the Messiah that people want. You see, he doesn't fit the profile, the profile of the Savior and the Lord that most people are looking for. I mean, we want a designer Jesus, one that is created in our personal image and with our personal tastes and desires and needs and personality in mind. We want a Jesus that, Jesus that fits into our lives instead of us fitting into his. Oh yes, we want a savior, but we want him on our terms, and we're not much into any idea of having a Lord over our lives. Sadly, those who betray their Lord today can just go on down the road to another church that doesn't care and doesn't ask any questions. On to a place where not only does the denial of God's word seem to not be an issue, but one can ease their conscience of the gross sin in the midst of what would be just a religious mass. Perhaps they will even eventually come to the position that what they have done was not or is not such a terrible crime. Verse 49 says, When those who are around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? A certain one of them struck a servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Note the text. A certain one of them. Now, the Gospels of Matthew, John, Mark, and Luke here all record this man's anonymity. They do not name this one. The Apostle John, he wasn't so magnanimous. For he names the offender for all of history to see. And of course, the reactionary individual we know is none other than Peter. 
No doubt Peter thought he was coming to the Lord's rescue. But Jesus didn't need any rescuing. He knew exactly what he was doing and was exactly where he was to be. He had everything under control. Peter attempted to take matters into his own hands, under his own strength. He didn't wait for instructions from his master. He instead acted out of impulse and moved unilaterally. Like us, Peter had to learn what it meant to live by faith. Our I-won't-deny-you-Peter <laughs> had more to learn concerning his heart as well as what it meant to war in the flesh. For Peter acted to back up his claim to be willing to die for Jesus without wholly understanding, well, what it meant to live for him. No doubt still understanding that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom, Peter, he reacted in an earthly way. Although he may have had good intentions, he still acted in the flesh, and he did so without the Spirit. Even with good intentions, you see, when we act in the flesh, we are always doomed to failure. Verse 51 says, And Jesus answered, Let me at least do this. And he touched his ear and healed him. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com. 